Welcome to Shardcast, everyone. We are an intro that I don't know, but we are a podcast <laughs> about Brandon Sanderson and the Cosmere, and we do deep dives, and we do character things, and we do game shows, and all of these fun things. Uh, today, we have a bit of a special episode, but before we get to the reason we have a special episode, in case it's not in the title, but it's going to be in the title, you know how it is. My name is Evgeny, and I'm joined by Marvin. Hi, I'm Pelio. We are also joined by Veronica. Hello, you'll know me as Cheyenne Sedai. And we found a guy in a warehouse <laughs> somewhere. His name is Isaac Stewart. Hi, Isaac. Who are you? Hello, I'm um, head of creative development at Dragonsteel. Very fancy. And I go by Argent in a lot of places. So we're doing a bit of, a, a bit of an interview with Isaac here. Why don't we, why don't we start with just a, a quick kind of a recap of the major like what does it mean to be head of head of uh i was gonna say head of vp that's not what you do uh <laughs> head of head of creative isaac well we're still trying to figure some of these things out as the the company grows because you know i started at least at the company as uh, a map maker in brandon's basement and uh for all i know that's what it was going to be i i was not very Farsighted in that, yeah, farsighted is the wrong word, looking far ahead in how that would be um, in the future. I knew we hoped that Brandon would get more popular and that his books would catch on because we love them um, and have, I would be a fan even if I wasn't working here. I would love the books and want to dive deep into them. But every few years or so, we would see the, these moments that maybe had been building behind the scenes, but we just didn't notice them until things happened. Things like the release of uh, Words of Radiance, where we started to think, wow, uh, that, that mm -hmm. release seemed like kind of bigger than the last release. Um, things like that, where the company would grow we, we, and, and, and the popularity of the books would grow. Uh, 2020, we ran a Kickstarter for the leather bound of The Way of Kings. That was another moment where things, you know, we're like, wow, we're these books are more popular than we realized. And then again, this last year, when we uh, <laughs> beat the Kickstarter record of all time, we did. Uh, I don't, I don't think we set out to do that. But boy, what a surprise! And and just, uh, just a a tribute to all the fans that and readers that love Brandon's work. So um, I, I guess that doesn't tell you much about creative development other than <laughs> I just thought I was going to be in Brandon's basement till I died. But in that time, I, as the company has grown, I've taken on more responsibilities, uh, art direction, designing books, designing leather bounds, working with, we've always worked with product and, and different things like that, concept art, so creative development's job is basically to work with Brandon and Dan now on, uh, as ideas come from that direction, we develop them. We, we start to ask questions. Okay, you want a planet that's like this? And, they, and they've thought out a lot of things. And then we start asking visual questions. Well, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? Here's some concept art. Do we like this? What direction do we go in? And we start developing a lot of the visual look of the, the world. Um, so we, we do the branding basically for what, is a, what does that world look like? Additionally, we share the burden of branding, uh, corporate branding with um, others in the company to make sure that the Dragon Steel brand 
looks like dragon steel across packaging, uh, across all sorts of things. And I, I get to work with Jeremy and Adam closely on the things that are related to like some of the, the stuff that they put out there. We, we, we consult with each other on that, those sorts of things. So there's a lot, a lot going on. There's even more than that. But we, we are still in the process of trying to figure out what do the different roles encompass in the company. But it's a lot of fun. I did not go to school for this. <laughs> I went to school for science <laughs> and then art, but not business. I mean, bo- both, both of these have their place in, in some of the things mm-hmm. that you do, right? Mm-hmm. I'll say before we move on real quick, uh, this is going to be full spoilers. So if you want to reference anything, uh, we're fine talking about Lost Meadow. We're fine talking about Tress. That's not a problem. Okay. Well, so what we have for you is kind of a series of, of topics that we're going to run a bunch of questions and we'll just blab about things if that's all right. Cool. Yeah, this, and this is great. We'll start off with a project that has now finished, asterisk, kind uh, of. White, <laughs> white Sand. And what I want to ask there is uh, the omnibus is now in the hands of most people who are interested in that product, uh, either physically or digitally. And you were very, very heavily involved in that. And specifically the prologue and the Chris Arzarkanum pages journal thing. I wanted to ask, how did you go about coming up with this brand new, mostly, I mean, it, it is original content, even if some of it is adapted from the original pros. How did you approach adding all of this stuff? Um, it, it was a big job. We, I mean, it actually, the, this started actually in Germany. It was on that trip where I, I met Marvin. Um, and, and after we went through Stuttgart and then I think we were down in, in Munich and then we took a train back to Berlin and Brandon and I were in Berlin and uh, eating at Gendarmenmarkt. Is that correct? Am I saying mm-hmm. that right? Yeah. Um, eating there and really enjoying kind of the, the ambience. I love Germany. Just, just so you know, I've lived there twice. I love it. And the people there are awesome. Food is great. I could go on. We could do a podcast about this and it would be <laughs> amazing. <do> <laughs> um, so uh, anyway, we were sitting there um, eating amazing German food and talking. And, and Brandon said something along the lines of, I really need to make sure that Taldane is brought into harmony with Cosmere lore. And we started talking about that. Just, you know, what, what does Taldane mean in the Cosmere? What, what is Chris's role? What are some of these other characters' roles in the Cosmere? And as we talked about it, I said, well, why don't I take that on? He's like, you don't need to take that on. I'm like, I like comics uh, and I like White Sand and I like, uh, I'll, I'll do this. And uh, it was a big project having to do that. I started out by going back and reading original White Sand. And when I say original White Sand, I'm not talking about White Sand Prime. I'm talking about White Sand Prime Prime. Was that the, wow. the handwritten one? Uh, it had been handwritten at one time, but uh, so I went back to that. It was a 400,000 word book split into two pieces. So Brandon wrote White Sand. I think that might have been his first book, White Sand. And then he wrote um, Star's End. 
And then I believe he went back to the White Sand world and finished the story of Kenton in something he called Lord Mastrel. Mm -hmm. uh, so I read original, original White Sand and Lord Mastrel. And then I reread re White Sand Prime and I took copious notes. I have a whole Scrivener document that is every named character, every phrase cool. in Kurtzian, um, just any, any world building notes, anything on the map, everything from all of these, just steeped myself in this so that I would be able to uh, represent the world of Taldane as best as I could, going through as many of notes as I could. I also went through um, a while before Joshua was Brandon's agent, Brandon sent White Sand to him and Joshua had notes. And so I looked at those notes and I said, okay, what did Joshua like and, and, and also recommend be done with, uh, with White Sand? And we'd been able to do a little bit of that in the original graphic novels. So anything that I say here is to not... We are, we are standing on the shoulders of those who worked on that beforehand. And we had a little bit of a hand in that, uh, working on it. But uh, Rick Hoskin, who has been, had become a good friend, um, and the Dynamite people who have been supportive of this, I mean, I think they were a bit worried when we came to them and said, so uh, I completely redid this book. What do you think? And uh, <laughs> But it's, it makes it sound like we, we completely redid it. It was, I did go through it line by line. I went through it line by line with the original manuscript, with the things that uh, Brandon wanted revised in the story, with some things that I came up with myself that I then ran by Brandon and said, what about these things? What do you think? And uh, so it was very, it was very, oh, and I didn't even mention. The other thing is that I combed Goodreads. I combed Amazon. I pulled up, I pulled up as many reviews as I could find to see how did fans react to the original graphic novels. Uh, what did they like? What did they What did they wish had been uh, different? I talked with Argent and others in the uh, community and said, "Hey, uh, tell me your thoughts." So I, I gathered as much information as I could, and then I started parsing through it. Okay, here are the big things that. Here are the big things that I think we might be able to address. Things that are related to Cosmere lore. Things that maybe there was a page here or there that the, the layout might be a little confusing. Erasing fans. <laughs> electric fans and electric Electric lights. fans, not people <laughs> fans. Yeah. No, yeah. Not, not erasing fans at all. We, I, I, drew, I drew more fans in there. No. And the infamous boombox. And the boombox, yep. We, uh, <laughs> we erased that. It's, at one point, I started bringing in uh, Ben McSweeney to help with redrawing a few things here and there. And also my brother, who was good at Photoshop. Oh. Uh, you'll notice his name in the credits, Dan. He erased and, 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 and did touch up on so many different panels that, that I asked him to work on as well. It, was a, it just became a big job. But rewrote the scripts, adding in using Rick's originals and making adjustments, changes here and there. Rick did a fantastic job of the adaptation. Um, so, but I just made sure that on every line, did, you know, was it the original intent of Brandon? Trying to guess a lot of these things. So I have, and this is kind of interesting here, you know, I have this, this giant binder that has all of white sand in it. It has printouts of 
of the comics where I, I check things. It's got, I have, I have documents and Google spreadsheets and things where it's like, this is this person's point of view, this point of view, this point of view. How can I switch them around to, to make it more the intent of the original manuscript? What are we missing? Well, it turned out that one of the things that, that as I read through it that I was missing was I felt there was something at the beginning where people weren't attaching to Kenton as strongly. Uh, they weren't attaching to his motive as strongly. And so that's where we get a new prologue with Kenton in it. We also, nobody was attaching to Chris. So we went back to what Brandon had written in White Sand Prime uh, with Chris, adapted a lot of that, tried to make sure that she was, uh, she had clear motivations, that she was an interesting character and somebody that you could really um, enjoy being with. So did the same thing with Ace, who's kind of the, the uh, third of that triumvirate of characters saying the exact same things. How do you attach to this character? How do you, how do you make her motives clear and interesting and her likable, even though, you know, she's antagonistic through, through the story. So anyway, I, that's probably more information than you ever wanted. Um, I've, I've spoken with people from Dragon Steel before. Yeah. We get more information <laughs> than we ask for. It's how it works. Yeah, but it, but it was kind of fun. So it went from the binder here, which I, I also would print out uh, some of the pages, especially at the very beginning of that first graphic novel of the three. I printed out pages and said, okay, how can I, I, I would cut out panels and started moving them around saying, okay, how can I tell the story the way that I feel it needs to be told with the art that we already have? So that you'll notice that there are some differences, especially in the, that first graphic novel, that first part of the graphic novel. But, uh, you know, and then we would, I would do tests where I would print up a, just a, I don't know what you call this, kind of a, a preprint thing and then go through it, have people read through it, make notes. Um, another one of the things that we noticed is that with a graphic novel, you really don't get the world building that you get from a novel. A lot of people's biggest issues with, with a graphic novel is, is this, that we're readers. We experience the Cosmere through a novel format. It's, it's words and, and some supporting illustrations. And so the things that a novel is good at aren't necessarily the things that a graphic novel is good at. And so pulling readers who are used to used to novels into the graphic novel space, there, there's going to be some speed bumps along the way where, okay, how do you deal with this world building? We can't just, uh, you know, we, you, you can't do it. Uh, you're not showing people's thoughts all the time. Uh, there's just different ways to do it. And one of the ways we chose to um, kind of address that is something that comics does really well is um, actually info dumps. <laughs> and that's uh, basically, a comic that wants to build the world says, okay, issue one. Now we have an extra page at the end of issue one. Let's talk about some aspect of the world, and it's sort of like this bonus content. And that's what we did with Chris's um, in-world journal entries, is addressing things, try, trying to keep them close to where they are introduced in a chapter, where in the book, they would have talked about this, or they would have shown some of these th different things. Now we have a world building piece where we can info dump a little bit, but we didn't want them to just be info dumps. 
We wanted them to also kind of have their own arc and relate to the text itself. And so there is sort of a mini arc there with Chris as she's exploring the world and learning more and more about what might be behind all of this. So uh, we sort of reveal more Cosmere Ware elements as we move through the graphic novel. Anyway, again, more than you ever wanted to hear, <laughs> but, but there you have it. Um, ev- ev- pretty much everything I've heard from fans who have read the omnibus is like where there are frustrations there with the production timeline, the actual book itself and the content and all of the updates are very consistently mm-hmm. rated very highly, way, way more so than, than the original independent trilogy, which I think is great. Like, Chris deserves that. Tell Dane deserves that. Uh, White mm-hmm. Sand deserves that. So thumbs up on, on all of the updates. I'm glad to hear that. I, it's hard to find because on Goodreads and Amazon, it's all mixed. You're getting yeah. things mixed. You can't really tell. Is this talking about the omnibus? Is it talking about the three separate ones? So it's really hard to tell. One of, one of the best things that I was able to find, though, is that I believe in Spain, they had only released volume one oh, yeah. of White Sand and volumes two and three, they were never released. And so they then released the omnibus there. And so um, Spanish fans were able to kind of, mm-hmm. it, it was almost like a, uh, a, not the control group, but the experimental <laughs> group, I guess. I, you know what I mean? On accident, mm-hmm. just because of that happened. So I could go to um, Amazon Spain and read some reviews that hadn't been, for the most part, affected by the original three uh, separate parts. And it, it looked like we were getting some good reviews there. So my biggest, my biggest goal in this was I wanted to make sure that Taldane could stand on its own a little bit. It was of the Cosmere properties, the one that hadn't been received as well. And I kind of wanted to bring it up to something where it's like, hey, yeah, you really should read this omnibus because it's part of the Cosmere. Yeah. And on the Spain point, uh, a friend of mine, my co-host from the other podcast is Argentinian, and she can definitely attest to the fact that like, the omnibus like, it changed everything because the original like graphic novel, she only has the first one and she looked for the other ones endlessly and couldn't find them. So, yeah. I'm- Glad she was able to get the omnibus. The, uh, the Spanish publisher did an, a fantastic job putting that together. It's really nice. All right. Moving on a bit, but not too much because we are still staying on Tardane. We have heard talks before about, uh, you and Bren have talked before about a sequel of sorts to White Sand, uh, sometimes called The Arcanist or just a dark side story. What is mm-hmm. the current status of that? Is it still planned? Is it still planned as a graphic novel as it was initially? Is it now a novel? What can you tell us about that? I can say that that's, it's up in the air. It's up in the air. We know that it's, there's a story there that we want to tell. I, I know what that story is, at least the, the large beats of it. I have tons of notes. Um, I've started fleshing out what are the cultures on that side of the world? What are the what are the plants? What are the animals? How does the, the eye of Rydos work into this? Um, what, anyway, I, I had to do a lot of that anyway to write Chris's prologue because mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure that by the time we got to Darkseid that we weren't 
painted into corners with world building that we didn't want to then have to, to work through, right? So you'll, you'll notice that from White Sand Prime to the graphic novel that we've changed a few of the wordings of things. So we have things like the star marked rather mm -hmm. than, rather than uh, you know, sky colors, we call mm -hmm. them star marks. There, there are things like that, that that we had to get into in general to figure out, okay, now we have this about dark side. We think we can give enough about it now in the, gra uh, the, the right sand graphic novel in order to tell this and not feel like we're painted into a corner on, on a later, later book. We don't know if it'll be called dark side or if it'll be called arcanist. One of my goals with it would be to make it an entry point so that it, it wasn't necessarily make sure you read the graphic mm -hmm. novel, then you, then you read dark side that you could pick up either one of them. And it could be an entry point. Uh, Kenton's really the focus of White Sand, with Chris having a, a supporting arc there. But this this Dark Side book would be about this would be Chris's story. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. it's this is you know why does she write the Arcanums? We get a little bit of that. How does she become more Cosmere aware? How how mm -hmm. does she save Ellis, or does she save Ellis from Emperor Skaven? These are a lot of the questions that we have. What happens to Bayon? Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> we, we know he's caught. We know from later books that he is Cosmere aware. Does, does uh, Naz factor into any of this? Uh, mm -hmm. There's uh, the, the quote you, that you, Argent, you give me this, this quizzical look, <laughs> but we know, we, we know that Chris and Naz are traveling together. From time yeah. They to have time. to meet some. Yeah. So they have to meet sometime. Does that happen here? Mm -hmm. Does it happen somewhere else? We are have there. There are tons of questions. We will tell that story. Not yet. Not yet. Will it be called the Arcanist? I love that title. Uh, it's a great title. I hope yeah. so. But would it feel better mm -hmm. as a duology if it's White Sand and Dark Side? I don't know. It would be better called Star Side. But boy, wouldn't it be weird if we had a book called Star Side oh, no. and Star Side? That <laughs> uh, just doesn't quite work, right? It's like, it's like the year that we published five books with the word shadows in the title. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't really five. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's, that's kind of where it is. It's not dropped. Mm -hmm. It's not dropped, but it's on the back burner while we work on some other projects. Cool. And that does make sense. So if it was to happen, or like just in general, what is the future of graphic novels at Dragonsteel? Like, do you, do, will yeah. you still explore this format or do you think now White Sand was a nice experiment? We'll, we'll leave it at that. I will say that making, making the graphic novel, writing scripts, and then seeing art come in that tells mm -hmm. the story of the script is incredibly gratifying. Uh, it's so cool to see a story come alive like that. Putting together the the graphic novel was it was really a uh, what's the word it just went out of my head but it, it was a joy to work on even though it, most of it at first uh, well most of it was done outside of work hours it was a labor of love that's what i was looking for <laughs> it was done mostly outside of work hours except for near the end when um, i was doing the layout and it just had to get get in then then it uh, leaked over into work hours. So making them is so much fun. We've loved working with Rick. I've loved working with the artists. I would love to do something graphic novel in the future, but I don't know. I don't know if we will. That's kind of, again, that's on the back burner as well. 
we we have to look at the tastes of the fans and what they want and how did that how do we want the Cosmere to continue forward what makes I, I unfortunately have to think about what makes fiscal sense especially with a company that's growing and you want to make sure that you are supporting the employees and making sure they're that there's still a dragon still around <laughs> to be able to make cool books. Uh, you have to, there are the realities of how much time do you put into something? and How much are you going to get out of it? Um, what's the bang for the buck? Uh, so, you know, it depends on the fans. Would you, would you rather that we spend time um, writing a novel or working on a graphic novel? And that's, that's the question that's out and up in the air right mm-hmm. now. We, we don't know the future, but we have loved making graphic novels. And, and Darkseid would be so much more visually interesting than, than the endless deserts mm-hmm. of, of <laughs> yes. Bayside, right? With all of the star marks and that. Yeah, it would, it's uh, very visual. Wait till you get to the magic on Darkseid. <laughs> we hope you get there. <laughs> we've, seen a, we've heard talk about it a little yeah. bit yeah. In, the, in the graphic novel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Veronica, why don't you take us to the next question? Yeah, so speaking of other projects, uh, I've been like, really curious about Boatload of Mummies because like Brandon did mention <laughs> like on his updates that you'd worked on it for uh, NaNoWriMo for the past couple of years, which is really cool. And the title is <laughs> incredible. I don't know if that's going to be the final title, but... As it's always been referred to. So I was wondering, <laughs> how have you been doing with that? Thanks for asking. Uh, it's a project that I love. I, so I finished it, finished a draft in September of last year. It's rough. It's a really rough draft. There's a lot of things that I'm still working through. It has a lot of, I'm trying to narrow down the kind of the, the, the shape of the plot in a way, because there's, there's a little bit of, uh, and it wasn't inspired necessarily by these things, but it was after the fact that I realized, oh, it's part this, part that. It sort of begins King Kong, if you imagine, you know, <laughs> getting people on a boat. And then it continues as uh, uh, Death on the Nile. Okay. And then, then, then uh, you get to a, a portion on an island. And then it ends the mummy. And so it's like, okay, uh, and then throw in a healthy dose of venom. So it's like, okay, am I doing too much here? And that's kind of where I'm at on the, you know, is this, is this even a thing? So I, I'm like, have I thrown too much in? Is this too much of a, of a, a storyline? And I don't think it is. I, it, it really is in the end, kind of a Raiders of the Lost Ark sort of story. Uh, you could say I, you could pull out those some of those same elements and say Raiders of the Lost Ark starts out King Kong, Wh- whatever it is, right? But but the the basic uh, plot line is there. The, there's going to be scenes in the current draft that are basically finished. I don't think they're going to change too much from the version that it is right now to to the end. Will it be called Boatload of Mummies? Probably not. You can't really. I, I I can't see that as a title yeah. of a Cosmere book, right? <laughs> but we can we can affectionately call it boatload of mummies as long as we want. Mm-hmm. So the 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 working title is Book of Nails. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. 
and whether there's whether there's a series title or not, we'll have to figure that out if it if it's a story that people want to continue learning about. But let me tell you, Nikki Savage is so much fun to write. <laughs> uh, she is, uh, and, and kind of don't don't expect exactly what you get from the broadsheets because she is writing to a particular audience. And has learned some skills from Alamancer Jack, um, though. Though I do think that Alamancer Jack's stories might be closer to the truth than than Nikki's are. Oh, interesting! But um, you you will see parallels between this story and some of the elements that are in the broadsheets. But she she's basically, if you can imagine a a Mary Poppins, who is incredibly interested in the supernatural. And is not afraid to beat up people. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds amazing. That's basically your character right there. And she's just, she's a load of fun. A boatload of fun. (laughs) Those those are all very interesting elements. But I imagine like from what you've said that you still wouldn't be ready to give us like, well, what could eventually function as a like back of the book, like blurb. Like it was like solid like premise because there are things that still might change or are too vague or you can't say yeah well um know. let me see we had during the first NaNoWriMo that I worked on it we had to kind of come up with our the elevator pitch on that and it was I wrote kind of the readers di- not readers digest the kind of tv guide version of it and it was you know a a woman with a strange magical power journeys to an island to find a mythical book that might write raise the dead something like that right so that's that's kind of what it would be i do need to work on that that elevator pitch mm-hmm. but in the meantime I'm, I'm writing the story trying to kind of figure out i mean i, I can give you i can give you no i can't read that <laughs> never mind <laughs> that's fine i mean you could you could yeah <laughs> Yeah, those elevator pitches are always so hard to do. My dad is good at them for some reason, but like the only time I've managed to write one like straight out without a million years of revision um, was for my latest nano project. So I I understand. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I'm sure you do. Any any uh, any of us who have tried to uh, write seriously get into that and say, you know, how do I tell this story to my friends without their eyes glazing over? <laughs> right? Because uh, yeah. I, I've I've often, especially early, been in situations where I'm talking with my friends, and an hour later, it's like they're like, "Can you just write the book? We'll read it when you write it." Uh, <laughs> there was something I was going to say about it. Now I can't remember. Well, such is age. Ah, uh, it'll it'll come back. It does. Yeah. I remember what it was. It's kind of like so. We were talking elevator pitches. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like this particular book's interesting because we have the way of Kings and Brandon has talked about, you know, how do I pitch that? There's so many different elements to it. The The difference here is how do I pitch this when it's like a spinoff of a different series? It's a, it, you know, it's a spinoff from Mistborn technically, but it's not a Mistborn book, right? So uh, you can't pitch that to somebody who doesn't know Mistborn. <laughs> Uh, in a way, right? It's like, and that, that's been some of the fun in trying to figure this out is how do I tell a different story here, but then have to reintroduce 
how allomancy works. But now in this era, we know about allomancy, we know about ferrochemy, we know about hemallergy, we have crossovers from other worlds. How do you write this book without confusing somebody entirely about, oh, there's like 50 magic systems in here and I don't understand it. <laughs> uh, so there, there's a lot, that there's some, and that then goes into the pitch. How do, you, how do you pitch that to people? People who know the Cosmere, you just say, you know, it's set on Scadrial, but it's not really a Mistborn book. Anyway, there you go. It's, it's just hard to encapsulate, and someday I'll figure it out, I hope. Well, you, you have time, right? Hope so. So, so to, to move away from, from kind of unfinished projects uh, and, and things you've done, Let's, let's talk about the secret projects that have been happening. You mentioned the absolutely record-breaking Kickstarter, and we, we all know about all the amazing things that have happened yeah. so far, and we are not even halfway through the year of Sanderson. So I did want to ask, first of all, where are the maps, Isaac? Well, so far we have two books out. We have Project 1, Project 2, and there are no maps in either of those. Brandon and I, um, after, after I read the books and we chatted about what should the art be in these, what should the style be, we decided that a delib deliberate decision, no maps. A couple of reasons here. We don't think they need maps. They, they read very clearly without them. I know that my 14-year-old self is banging his head against the wall saying, where are the maps? Because uh, I would pick up books and say, there's no map in this. Why should I read this? Anyway. The, the second reason, too, is there just hasn't been brain space. There hasn't been the brain space when you, when you get a bunch of books that are, you know, Brandon comes and says, I have this project that I want to do, and we're doing all these books next year. We need to start now. I'm not thinking about, I, I'm thinking about all the things, and I'm saying, okay, where? And so it was a relief to me to read them and see this doesn't necessarily need a map. The Secret Project 1, if we had a map in it, I feel like it would have been spoilery. That is the big yeah. reason that that one doesn't have a map. Yeah, that's true. We talked about it. We talked about even having Howard do, it, do a map on the end papers. And it always came up spoil too spoilery for the book. It's as I think Diana Wynne-Jones says that it's like, you know, in, in a fantasy novel, there's... If it has a map, you, the, the stereotype is that you're going to visit every last dang place on that map before this book is over. And I've tried to buck that trend with things, but I, I couldn't do that with just oceans where I don't know where the, the, the islands are. I don't know where any of this stuff is. I don't even know how we get 12 moons around this planet yet. <laughs> and so, so, so there, there was just a lot to be had and we realized, well, you know, you're, you're on an ocean voyage that's you don't necessarily know where you're going you're out in the middle of the ocean so is the reader let's show up to the places as we show up to them the second book it's in england yeah you can look yeah. up a map <laughs> yeah <laughs> it just it didn't it didn't it didn't seem like we needed a map there that's that's fair i think for me part of it is one i like to see the world but two i like to see the style of a map right mm -hmm. so even if i'm looking at a, at a map of, of medieval england which i can always look up myself 
the the kind of unique quirks that the artist applies to this that are like unique to this specific book they are they are the things that is often even more interesting like the red-headed woman on the white sand on the dayside map has always been a fascinating element and we saw a red-headed woman in the deck of cards that ben mcsweeney did some time ago and she was implied to be maybe someone of of import that is also relevant to to taldane so the maps are interesting beyond just the geographical value is what i'm trying to say yeah they are we and that's not to say we won't see maps of, of these places yeah but we did we threw more of our time into working with the illustrators on these books and just how do we how do we do this big of a Kickstarter? Yeah. Especially with supply chains as they are, how are we going to, how are we going to do this? And so that it, being, going in and starting to ask deeper questions about what sort of Easter eggs do we put in map, the maps? Uh, it, it's just, it was one of my favorite mm-hmm. things to do that we just couldn't do on these. So. That's okay. I'm sorry, Argent, that I disappointed you in that. No, that's that's a good answer and a better one than I was hoping for. So, <laughs> good job. On a on a lighter note, but also something you can't actually talk about. Uh, so we are we are a little less than halfway through the year of Sanderson, and so we've seen some of the things that come in the boxes, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, we have half a year to go. And you probably don't want to and can't reveal what is in those boxes. Is there a way for you to talk around a certain item that is still upcoming that you are very excited for people to see? There are many items that I'm excited for everybody to see. We have tried to make the... And I have to be careful here because we have a, we have a product team now that I am that I don't lead, that I'm just, I'm just a part of now, now and then as we need to uh, give feedback and things. So um, Kara and I share the, the duties of kind of uh, working on products. So uh, the product team is hard at work at awesome things. And I think that, and, we, and we've tried to put items in there that are going to, to, to be of interest to various different groups, right? There might be something that one person is super excited about that another person is, you know, I'm not excited about that, but I'm excited about this. Uh, you can't please everybody. And, but so we're just, we're trying to do a, a variety of things and we're trying to not repeat ourselves. So uh, that, that has been a challenge to, to do that. But there is, there are several items coming up that I'm very excited about. There is one in particular, and I'm not going to tell you what box it's in. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what it is. It's just, it's just one of these things where I'm like, you know what? I've always wanted to design fill in the blank. <laughs> and so, so the product team has been a little bit exasperated with me because it's like, that's the one thing that I, I care about is this thing, right? And I'm like, and I'm so worried people are going to hate it. It's just, <laughs> but I love it. I think it's beautiful and useful and fun. And, 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 I, and I hope that we'll see lots of them out in the wild at some point. Okay. Okay. 
we'll we'll come back to this conversation in in six to twelve months. <laughs> yeah, and, and yep. see where yep. we are. You can ask me what that item is. Yeah, and I, and, and if if everybody hated it, I I just won't. I'll just say that the item was like like an Something item else. that people people yeah. loved. Right? It's like, <laughs> oh yeah, we. We loved that we had a working spaceship. I'm like, that was my idea, and I totally worked on it. And that's the one that I told talk to you about on the White Sand podcast. Yep, yep. yep. And I will 100% vouch for you, so we're fine. Yeah. No, I would. I would totally tell you the truth. So I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie about something <laughs> like that. I'm just. I. You know. I'm not gonna lie at all if I can help it. 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 It doesn't matter. So we've talked quite a bit about the Kickstarter. But you've also like worked a lot on the upcoming like Stormlight RPG, and I was wondering like how does like all that process work in terms of like sticking to canon, particularly like with the RPG, because these are meant to be like canon depictions of the characters that have been described in books that there's so much fan art of, there's so much official art of, and. Yeah, but there's so much going on, like with the minis Kickstarter and the Stormlight RPG and the Secret Project and everything. Um, that I was curious about how that worked. Yeah, so um, it it has it started with the miniatures, where we were very heavily involved with giving concept art and feedback and and helping uh, Brotherwise mold those characters to what we see as the Dragon Steel representations of the characters. This does not erase what fans are doing or how they want to portray characters. This is just Brandon and Isaac talking and saying, what, what was in your head? Or, or if, it, if it was a little bit different, how do we reconcile this? Looking at canon and saying, okay, what pieces of canon do we need to hit really hard and stick to? And what things can we, what things can we look at and maybe adjust a little because when you draw it, it doesn't quite work. Things like that. It's been incredibly fun. Brotherwise, and they're amazing. That's why we partner with them on these things. We just, we love working with them. They're fans of the series. They want to do justice to the art and, and really carry the brand forward in this visual way. Um, the RPG, um, a lot of that from the RPG side of things, like gameplay, the writing of that, Dan has been working with Brotherwise on that because Dan is just, he's a master of the RPG and he's also a master writer. He's, an, he's amazing and awesome. Um, so we have continued working with Brotherwise on more concepts. Uh, the, basically, the way this works is they give me a list of concepts of things that they, they need. And I go to Brandon and I say, okay, uh, which ones do we need to be more heavily involved in? because of plans. And he tells me, and then I go back to Brotherwise and say, okay, we're going to handle these. Uh, why don't you handle the other ones that you have there and make sure that we see them and we will together work on that. Uh, so we're kind of approaching it from both ends of things. Brotherwise is con concepting things with artists they've hired. We're concepting things in-house over here. And then we're, we're converging them. But all of that is going through Brandon and me. There's so much art, though, that we are not going to be able to make everything perfect. There, inevitably, there are going to be things where uh, it's like, oh, you know what? Uh, we got that character's eye color wrong or something. We'll try our best to not, 
to not do that. But um, yeah, do, do you have any more specific questions about about that process? Yeah, actually, Brandon did mention in one of the streams, I don't remember which, that Hoyt was the trickiest one to get right. And with Hoyt being so important for the Cosmere and the character that has appeared in many forms, I was wondering, like, how do you go about bringing like a character that's lived in his head for so long uh, to life? That, that, was, that was tricky. In the end, uh, what was kind of gratifying about that process is that I think Brandon's perception of how Hoyd looks and my perception of how Hoyd looks were really close together. And I don't know if that's just because I've been steeped in the books and I've known Brandon for a long time, or we just happen to be seeing some of the same things. So it was hard to get because he is, he's like the first world hopper, not, not in a Cosmere sense. I don't know if he's the first world hopper in a Cosmere sense, but like, he's the one that we all gravitate to, right? He's the first, he's the, he is Brandon's character that he just, he loves writing in his voice. Hoyd is, you know, so, so integral to the Cosmere. How do you show him? So we, we, did, uh, we did concept art with several artists. We worked with Audrey Hot, or I said her name wrong, Audrey Ott, and, and she is so good. Um, she's done a lot of stuff in the Star Wars universe. We knew that she was a fan of Stormlight. We approached her and said, hey, can you help us out here? And she's been amazing. I love working with her. And uh, she nailed Hoyd the, the first, first time. But taking oh, okay. that... 2D element and and making it three dimensional is very difficult. And so that was where then it was a push and pull, push and pull. You've gone too far here, pull it back here, this here. And it, it's just because it, I, I think that we would have let go of it when it got close if it had been any other character. But with Hoyd, we knew we had to get it right. Um, in the end, we uh, were able to get the 3D, 3D model and um, tweak it a little bit on our end with Steve Argyle, just kind of looking over his shoulder and moving things around until, till it, it just, and this is no disrespect to the, the sculptors who were working on it. It's just, uh, there, were, there was no way that I could go and look over the shoulder of any of those sculptors. Otherwise I would have done the same thing, or at least ask for otherwise if I could have. But looking over John, uh, Steve's shoulder and saying, now, now it's Hoyd. And I took a big risk saying that now it's Hoyd on that particular 3D model. And then I showed it to Brandon in art review and he said, that's Hoyd. We're there. So uh, it, that was kind of the process there. I don't know if I can tell that story. Who's going to get upset at me for that? But that was fun to, to realize that it, it, on some level, my version of Hoyt in my head was very close to what Brandon was also seeing. So we've been talking about a lot about like collaboration in general right now. And with Dan, Dan Wells now coming onto Dragon Steel and in general, the team growing a lot recently. How has your like typical work there and just in general work on creative projects changed compared to like a few years ago when you were still, it's basically just you doing maps and symbols for Brandon. Like how has it changed? Well, um, th there's a lot more work that needs to be done. And, you know, I've, I've been at Dragonsteel 
for 10 years now. And for eight years before that, I've been working on projects with Brandon, even, even before I wound up on the payroll of Dragonsteel. Like with Warbreaker, I realized I was art directing that. I because Brandon's like, I want a different style. And you you did the Mistborn maps. I want a different style for this. Let's find somebody else. So I went to my friend Sean Boyles and said, Hey, do you want to do a map? And he said, Sure. So he did this. Brandon was on board and he did this map. And I I, I kind of helped him through making a map and and he did a great job. And so, but I didn't realize that I was kind of that was like the proto phase of now I'm art directing things. Uh, we just kind of grew into it. By the time that I was on Dragonsteel's payroll, we were already at, at, at one point just, you know, we, we hit. Soon after the, I, I signed on, we had to start doing Stormlight 2. And, you know, so I reached out to Ben. Uh, we'd worked together before. We li- liked working together. And so, uh, you know, he freelanced on that. And I was acting as art director. So almost from the beginning, it hasn't mm-hmm. just been me. It's been a team, but it's been a team of freelancers that, that I've been managing. And as, as it's grown, I, and I didn't know this was happening, but I was doing so much more than just doing art and art direction. I was building a mini legal department <laughs> to make sure that we, at least for the art side of things, to make sure that we were treating our artists fairly. And, you know, I was figuring out asset management, digital asset management, all, all sorts of things that I found out later that that's not the art director's job, but we just had <laughs> to do it, right? Um, and so kind of gradually, I was doing less and less art. And now, now to we hit this point where we've done the biggest Kickstarter of all time. And I've got an assistant working with me who is working part-time and then helping with Brandon's class too. And not an, not an artist, but a great support staff member, but I don't have any other artists. And I'm just kind of inside freaking out. I'm like this inside, <laughs> but outside I'm like this. And uh, so we needed to hire more people. Mm-hmm. I have a team now, a team of, of awesome artists and support staff. We still freelance as well. Yeah, I use freelance artists on things. And so I, did I answer the question? I think you did. Yeah. You know, how is it? It's a big team now. <laughs> and uh, the, the hardest thing is letting go. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause there's so many cool things to be working on. Uh, but I trust the people that we've hired. And so I can let them go and say, you know, put your, put your own personal touch on this. So we've been talking like a lot about concept art on um, this interview as well. I mean, with the minis and the secret projects and everything. Seems that this is the first time that Dragonsteel has done concept art for an upcoming book that you're showing people with Stormlight 5 and like not having everything behind the scenes. Like something like what's the motivation for that? And like, how has it worked? For each of like the big uh, progress updates that Brandon has done on Reddit, we've got a new piece. So, so at the beginning of when Brandon started writing uh, Stormlight Five, uh, he came to me and he said, you know, that he he likes being able to share progress updates online, 
that's just he he likes interacting um, with everybody and being able to kind of share the process of of building a book. And uh, because of that, he was hoping that we could also, with those updates, show concept art. Just you know, there's here's words to get people excited. Let's have some art. It may not wind up being canonical, but at least it's inspirational to kind of to tease the, the book. So that that's how that came about. And in order to do the one, for example, of of Shinovar that we saw first, that's done by Randy Vargas, and he did he knocked it out of the park. It's amazing. We. Uh, we needed to kind of figure out what does Shinovar look like? And so I went to Ben and we started throwing together some uh, concept art, showing it to Brandon, getting his, getting his ideas on it, getting his thoughts. We, we don't know what of that concept art Brandon will draw on um, in the books. We'll find out when, when I read it. But it wound up being helpful to, to kind of have this pre-dev phase. So then we, we worked with Petar Penef to mm-hmm. do a concept of Dalinar walking up the steps in Urethiru. And uh, again, Petar did a great job of portraying Dalinar. That Dalinar looks like Dalinar. And uh, it, it's, it's amazing. So uh, it's, it's just, it's a new thing that we've started doing. I mean, technically we have done concept art in the past when we're trying to figure out, okay, what does this spread look like or that? And, and Ben does a bunch of art, but we're in the midst of it at that. Most of the time, we're in the midst of it. So th- this really is the first time where we're, where we're saying, how helpful is this on a book? And so that's kind of where we're at. And we'll see if that's something we continue to do. But uh, it's been a lot of fun. Great. So let's do, let's do a few rapid fire questions. Marvin, take, take the first one. Yeah. If you can share this at all. What's the last piece of art you saw that you are like really excited about? It has to do with Project 3. Okay. Fantastic. A while back, Brandon did a, like, talked about and did a survey about an art book post Stormlight 5. Is that definite yes in the future? Definite no in the future? Still kind of up in the air? I would say up in the air. Creating art books is a huge undertaking art is expensive i mean we have a lot of art that we could put in there but and i'm sure that being able to compile a bunch of it is is part of the part of the appeal but the other part of the appeal is showing things that we haven't seen before and in order to do it how we want to do it it's going to be expensive because we'd need to get a bunch of artists on board and also time-wise right we have to art direct each of those pieces. We have to run them through continuity. We have to, it, it involves several arms of the company. Would we like to do an art book? Yeah, we would love to have this nice coffee table book that, that um, you can show your friends and say, see, this is why I love the <laughs> Cosmere. You need to get involved with this. But when, when or if that's going to happen, we don't know. So, and, and we can't even promise anymore that we are going to get an art book like that. But I would love to work on that project. That's that's fair. Marvin, back to you. All right. Along a similar vein, Brandon has talked before about wanting to do the Hoyt stories like Girl Who Looked Up, uh, Wonder Sale, Dog and the Dragon as a sort of picture book, children's picture book. Is, is there any movement on that? Because, like, I mean, we all, you also have Monsters on Red Underpants. Like, is stuff moving yeah. there? Would you be involved? Uh, 
<laughs> well, I, I would be involved. Yeah. Um, definitely be involved if we were to do something like that. Uh, monsters don't wear underpants. Uh, I, I still have a lot of those I need to sell. And I don't want to be known as the underpants guy for the rest of my life. So, you know, maybe, maybe I'll be known as the boatload of mummies the guy. Mummies I don't guy. know. The, the mummies guy. guy. But we still have those if anybody wants wants the, <laughs> those. Uh, but um, that, that has been awesome because I've gotten emails from parents who just, their kids love it. They read it. They, the kids memorize it and then they read it to themselves. And it's been so, <laughs> I know I've used the word gratifying, but it really is. It's just uplifting to see, oh, wow, this is it's making kids happy. And that's the that's biggest true. thing. I'm, I'm always giving that book away when people have, they have a kid. I'm just like, take this book. They're like, I'll pay you for it. I'm like, no, just, <laughs> just take it. Your kid will love it. I hope. But the, uh, the picture books, um, I don't know how recently Brandon has said that he wants to do those. Maybe a year ago, yeah. I would say the most recent. It's been a while. I, yeah, I yeah. I know he would still like to do those, um, but when and where? Again, that's one of those things where it's like, okay, the timing has to be right. Um, mm-hmm. We need to get the right right people involved. Um, so I'd say that that's akin to the art book, but probably more likely to happen than the art book, just because of the scope of the project is a mm-hmm. little bit easier. Smaller. Yeah. yeah. So I want to pitch a merch idea to you and I'm, and I'm pitching it to you because it involves you, I think, and, and not just Kara. You know, these like night lights that it's like a ball and you put it in a dark room and it projects the night sky into the room. I want mm-hmm. that, but for the Cosmere. Yeah. Make it happen, Isaac. <laughs> I will buy uh, all of them. <laughs> we have we have definitely considered something like that. I mean, that's Ooh. that's something where we've we've said that would be really cool. So maybe it'll happen. It's a matter of finding out how many do we need to produce. Is it feasible? Can we can we you know? There are certain points where it's like okay, it makes sense now because we can make it and it will be affordable to fans. But if you're making ten of them, yeah, uh, that's gonna cost a lot. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. Hello, your listeners. This is Argent from the future. At this exact moment in the recording, we lost Veronica. Um, She had some internet issues or computer issues. We're not sure. But we ended up at a point where we only had one question left. And it was one of her questions. So I ended up asking that for her. Thanks for listening to this Argent from the Future segment. Now back to the episode. She wanted to know about whether we can expect any more personal projects that are kind of more your own, like monsters and wear underpants, or are you just, or or is is Brandon keeping you too busy to have your own fun? Brandon is always encouraging me to do to do things because I've 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 written books, I've written many. I've been so close to being published many times. We've we've gone with my agent to to the the what what do they call it? It's like a green light meeting at publishers and you know, an editor wanting to buy it and then a publisher saying no. And so um but I, I've hit a point where the writing that I do is mostly cosme related. That's I'm kind of focusing in on that. I love the Cosmere. I love the idea that I get to help build it. 
And so as, as, as long as I do it in the right way and Brandon's happy and the fans are happy, I hope that I'll be able to continue doing projects in there. That said, you can't, you know, as a writer, you can't just, you're always getting ideas. And so I have ideas for a, you know, Avatar The Last Airbender book series that I, I want to write that just mm. has fun characters. And, but I don't know if I'll ever get to it. So again, it's right now I've uh, thrown what I have into the building of the Cosmere and building Dragonsteel because I feel like it's Dragonsteel and Brandon's books are making the world a better place. It brings a, a, a community of wonderful people together to discuss them. And, you know, I have just always been impressed by the fans of Dragonsteel and the Cosmere just with how kind they are. And, uh, and I say we are. Because this is what, what a wonderful community that we all get to be a part of. And I'm just grateful for all of you. And I want to continue helping to grow this. And so that's where I'm throwing my weight behind for the foreseeable future, if not forever. What a good answer. And the Cosmere is large enough and versatile enough that like you can probably find a place to tell your own story that like it, it fits, right? Yeah. At least in, in many cases. Well, we had exactly. Veronica back. Yeah. Yeah, briefly. Very briefly. There. Yeah. <laughs> and and we lost her again. But we are we are out of questions and you're out of time. So do you have any parting thoughts? Any do you want to plug any, <laughs> any promotional stuff or merch? <laughs> you know, I really don't want to plug anything. I'm very, very aware of, you know, it, this is this is I don't want to be like we're selling things, just shilling things out <laughs> to here, buy our stuff, buy our stuff. That's not what Dragonsteel is about. Dra Dragonsteel is about, like I said, building a, a wonderful community. And as part of that, fans, we, we try to make cool things for the fans, cool things we would want. And, and, and it really, it supports Dragonsteel continuing to make more things. That, that's really what that's about is just let's produce cool things that people would like. So I don't have anything to, to shill, to shill the right word. I have nothing to, sure. to sell here. Um, just be awesome to each other. <laughs> hey, as a you message know, as good as any. Yeah, here, here's, here's my message. When you're offended by somebody, give them the benefit of the doubt. Don't react. And just uh, treat everybody like brothers and sisters. Because I think that's what any of us really want in the end, is for people to understand us and to try to understand. So there you go. Be awesome to each other. <laughs> Be awesome. Isaac Stewart, 2023. You heard it here first. Thank you so much for joining us, Isaac. It was yeah, a very you. entertaining and also very enlightening interview. Uh, we hope to have you back on the show. Yeah. Probably six plus months from now. So we can talk about that secret thing in that book, <laughs> uh, in that box. Okay. Sounds good. But we can we can set that up later. Once again, I am Evgeny. I go by Argent. We have Marvin, aka Paleo, and Veronica, aka Shansadai, joining Isaac Stewart, VP of Creative Development. Yes, that's the formal. Officially, yeah, the formal. <laughs> Officially, uh, informally, the map guy at Dragonsteel <laughs> Entertainment. Out. Uh, oh, uh, we 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 collectively are the seventeenth shard. Not Isaac. He's not seventeenth shard. Uh, you can find us on on. Twitter, SoundCloud, iTunes, Instagram, Patreon, 17 Discord, 
probably a few other places, but if you go to one of the places, you can find the others. Okay, that's all. Be awesome. Bye. Bye. Bye.